keep up to date on all the bowl games with the ESPN College Football Podcast, hosted by a rotating talent roster, including Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollock, Booger McFarlane, Paul Feinbaum, Joey Galloway, and more. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday morning. Happy holidays to our Bobby Marks, who's joining us from Naples, Florida. Hi, Bobby. Hello, Brian. How are you? Happy holidays to you. Thanks. Um, I'm better than a, than a lot of the NBA <laughs> right now. Um, so you've been in the NBA. You've been involved with the NBA how many years? Oh, man. What is this, 27? I can't imagine you've seen anything like this. I would just say that life pre-COVID in a front office was a lot easier. <laughs> life in a front office. Yeah. Right now, and in, in, in before COVID, it was hard, you know, certainly challenging. But where we are right now, um, teams have an, ex, you know, instead of instead of the, um, the list of tradable players, teams have a list of hardship exception players. And right. um, the games, um, I guess it was Sunday night, um, were not competitive for the most part. I mean, we've got teams losing by 45, 46 points. Thank God the, thanks, uh, the Christmas Day games were... Um, you know, somewhat entertaining. Um, but yeah, we're at a point where um, uh, I don't see a slowdown as far as cases coming our way now because we're, we're testing daily, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the mandatory and Phoenix who has be, had been unscathed through this whole process. All of a sudden we start testing daily and now we've got, you know, two players, you know, Jay Crowder for one that is in health and safety. So um, there are, there aren't only one thing we've seen. There aren't only two players. Um, yeah. Once you have a player or two test positive, you need to start working on your hardship plans because the wave is coming. Um, I think it's pretty transparent that the NBA, um, they, they decided like, what was it? Maybe seven or eight days out. We're not going to start testing until after Christmas. It's, it's pretty transparent that the NBA wanted to do everything it could to deliver those five games. Those five games were delivered. And now they up their testing with the expectation that there's even going to be more. Um, we could have we could have half the league in the protocols by the end of uh, by the month from like the second week of December to this like the second week of January or more. Yeah, and I, and, and the league is aware you know that rosters are going to take a hit just because you know you shut basically shut the G League down until I think January fifth, and that allows yeah. teams to be you know an easier selection process for players in that home market where they're not traveling and you're pulling basically, you know, you're what we're seeing now, Brian, is we're seeing guys who probably wouldn't even be on training camp rosters. Um, we're basically like the back end of, um, of these G league teams and, you know, just being out in Las Vegas for the uh, G league cup where we see all these teams. I mean, you looked at rosters, you, some of the names you've never even heard of. And by the last day, there were seven or eight players on each team. And um, it's slim pickings. You know, it's basically a lot of na- the same names are going to be recycled again when their hardship exception expires. And eventually we might run out of quality players. I mean, there'll be players out there, but quality level players. Yeah, I think you sent me some notes last night that said as of at least Sunday, there was 77 hardship exception players that were used over and above the 17 men on each roster because 15 roster players plus two, two ways, um, 70 more just in December. I mean, how, when, when did they, when did they start the hardships? 
when did they open the hardship floodgates? Like a week ago? Yeah, the, ni- the 19th was when the yeah. new rules went into place. We had a couple guys beforehand, um, but we had, I mean, we're getting, you know, eight or nine a day. And because ex- exceptions are now expiring, you know, Langston Galloway for one expired on uh, his last was on Christmas Day. And he was automatically signed again because Brooklyn still has, you know, six or seven players in that in the protocol. So the Toronto Raptors have a, a story that sort of personifies this week. Um, they had two games postponed. Um, they flew to Chicago with only um, something like six roster players available. Yeah. Um, Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse, the coach has kept an incredible. Uh, I mean, I think he's really been frustrated, but he's kept a uh, uh, a light heart as much as he can during this. And he talked about landing in Chicago after this flight, which was, you know, the, the emptiest flight you'd almost ever see. And then there were three buses for six players. I mean, there were staff <laughs> members and stuff, um, but there were three buses, uh, two, two, two buses. Well, I mean, obviously there's a lot more people than that, but he said that was quite a sight to see three buses sitting there outside the plane with six players walking off of it. Um, they couldn't play the game in Chicago because two of the guys that they were having meet them, hardship players tested positive immediately. So they end up spe- they end up flying to Cleveland. They spend Christmas Day in Cleveland, which I'm from Cleveland, but you know Christmas Day in Cleveland by yourself, I wouldn't say it's the highlight of your life. Um, then game day against the Cavs on Sunday, they couldn't have a practice or a shoot around because they were so afraid of not being able to have enough guys test positive. They were afraid before they got all their tests back. So instead of having a film session before the game on the Cavs. The Raptors had a film session of their new teammates. They said, by the way, here is now our, our teammates, and uh, here's some film on what they can do. They hadn't met them yet. So by Sunday, they were down, the Raptors were down to four roster players, and they had signed four hardship guys, three of whom I don't think that they had even um, met. So they met them. Uh, the players were talking about this. They met them on the bus on the way to the arena. And it's a very short trip from the hotel in Cleveland to the arena. So it wasn't a long conversation. Um, They had their walkthrough, like to go over their plays out on the court um, before the game, while the Cavs were warming up. So they're like, okay, tonight, this is going to be play number, number one. This is, this is going to be play. You know, this is going to be chin. This is going to be elbow. And the Cavs are like watching them. Oh, I guess, uh, I guess play one is a, uh, is a, is a side pick and roll. And, um, you know, they like, okay, here's our two out of bounds plays for tonight. There's one and two, like, this is what they did with the Cavs watching them before the game and <laughs> nurse. So we had eight guys, four of whom were, were, were hardship players. And nurse says, well, actually I think our position is pretty good. We have a, we have one backup center, one backup forward and one backup guard. We have position flexibility. And I mean, he's, he's joking, but at the same time, he's like kind of being like, at least I have a backup guard I can use. And of course they got beat by 44. And, you know, after the game, he was like, well, you know, once when I was coaching in England, I lost by 58. (laughs) So, you know, nurse nurse wrote a book about his career after he won the title about his career as a coach. And he tell he's told the story before, Bobby, you probably heard it about coaching in Belgium and in Belgium, they have a national cup and the first division teams, which have the pro players, every, every team in the, in the country who wants to play can play. And they have like four divisions. 
So like the fourth division guys are guys who are like, you know, accountants or, you know, mechanics during the day. And then they come and they play like essentially at the Y at night. So they all play in this national cup. So if the first division team, which has the pros plays a second division team, they start the game down 10, nothing. That's the way the rules are. Well, this one year that Nick, that Nick was coaching at least the first division professional team in Belgium, they drew a fourth division team in the national cup. So they got 30 points. The, the, the fourth division, they start this game and it's scoreboard said 30 to nothing. Okay. And then Nick loves this story that fourth division team with all the, the, the teachers and social workers and whatever, they hit their first three, three pointers. The scoreboard says 39 to two. He's down 39 <laughs> to two. Now, granted, he does have the first division professional players, but it, he said he didn't take the lead for the first time until there was less than two minutes left to go in the game. Um, and, you, you know, so he, he has been through some stuff before, but this, I think I joked with him. I sent him a text last night and I said, well, at least you have some new chapters for your next book that you're going to write. Because this, as absurd as that sounds about that Belgian league, in a lot of ways, this is just absurd, Bobby. And I mean, um, as I talked to league executives, like they are exasperated. They, on one hand, can't believe the, 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 the NBA is not pausing. On the other hand, they admit there's no thought of a pause going forward. And we will just go through these games and we will hold our nose and hope for the wave to get over. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the tooth, uh, to spin a little bit of a positive, if, if you can, um, most of these players who, are, who have been assigned to these hardship exceptions are going to make more money <laughs> in these 10 days than they were. What are they Julie. making? What are they well, making? You know, it based, it's based on your years of service. So if you're, you know, a guy like Greg Monroe, who's going to Minnesota, it's like, you know, $125,000, $126,000. For 10 days work. You know, that's yeah. a lot of money. You know, a guy who's a rookie. It's making, you know, 50, $55,000, you know, you're in, you're in the G league making what 35. And, you know, if you get a, if you're a exhibit 10, where you can get a bonus, you know, it's maybe another 50. So you're getting, um, you're getting, you know, quality pay in this 10 days. The other thing you talk to scouts, they love this. If you're a personnel scout and you're seeing guys like DJ Wilson and Tremont Waters, guys who are on this Toronto team, like you're seeing them play. You saw Tremont Waters played 35 minutes last night, right? right? So you're at least kind of, you're getting more in evaluation than you would in summer league, than you would in preseason. So there's, from that positive spin, that's, you know, people like that. Now on the other end, you know, when, you know, I was out in Las Vegas, right when the roster rules came into place that um, I guess it was that Sunday, Monday, and teams were confused that they felt once Chicago, which was right around the weekend of December 4th and 5th, mm-hmm. once they started getting, it was right after that Brooklyn game, I think DeRozan, then it was a trickle down effect. Once the cases started coming in, they felt like the league should have been enacted kind of right away because you knew based on, you know, the evidence with this virus that this was not going to be in isolated cases. And they basically waited until 60 or 70 players were in the health and safety protocols to all of a sudden put the hardship exception because Brian, as the rules were written and it was a carryover from last year, you basically had to wait until you got four players, right? Four players who were injured or had COVID for an extended period of time. So you're basically like, you know, Trey Young gets COVID 
there's no injuries in Atlanta. You're basically in a holding pattern, right? You can't sign anybody. Where now the rules come into place. You can replace a guy, certainly based on where your roster is. The other thing too is, you know, and it finally got figured out was the whole salary implications here, right? Like the luxury tax. And you had a lot of teams saying, you know what? I'd rather have the games suspended than paying an additional $500,000, $600,000 towards the luxury tax. And the league right. so, so the Raptors, right. the, La- the Raptors, we just talked about signing all these guys. The Raptors are spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands on replacement players. Now, I'll point out, it's better than having to cancel games where you don't get to have the gate. Yep. So it's, it's, it's in the red, but it's, it's better than nothing. But they, as you mentioned to me, they were 270,000 below the luxury yeah. tax. They've spent several hundred thousand on, on replacement players there. They would have been in the tax on, on hardship guys. Tremont waters would have put them in the tax, <laughs> you know, or something like that, which is not what they wanted. No, they're not. And then you lose by 45. So that's not how it, uh, that's not how they wanted to play out. And the league, you know, Hey, They've got a lot of smart people there. They figured it out that salaries will not be applied to the luxury tax salary cap. What here's a little bit of a cap note is that what it's going to happen, Brian, is that all these hardship exceptions, the money is going to go towards um, league wide salaries. So we're going to see a little bit of an impact next year when players are extension eligible, right? When we look at the, at what the average player salary is going to be, that number is going to be a little bit higher because of all these COVID hardships, because we've got, we might have 20 million extra in, in salary that's going wow, to be applied 20. here wow. at the end of the day. I mean, we're already at like, we're over 10. I mean, we're going to see that this number keep on growing. So those players that could get extensions, it's going, it could pay out for them, but we will, we'll see where that is next year. Yeah. So, um, and, and I suspect that we will see several situations, Bobby. Now, most of these guys will be let go and we'll go back to the D league or go back to quasi retirement or whatever, but there are going to be guys who stick and, you know, right off the bat, you know, Stanley Johnson comes in, plays one game with the Lakers and makes an impact. And there's people in LA going, boy, if Stanley Johnson keeps playing like this, they may have to find a spot for him. I don't know if that will be the case, if it will be Stanley Johnson, but I suspect that there will be some net positive out of this in that some guys will be like, wait a minute, watch, by the way, watch the heat, find a player in all this, <laughs> you know, the heat, um, uh, well, <laughs> the, yeah, the heat I mean, always, always finds such situations. At, like at the end of the day, it's going to cost guys who are thought they were safe on two way contracts, potentially their job. And it will cost, we saw it yesterday with, um, who is Alfonso McKinney, who is hard on a hardship exception signs for, you know, rest of the season. And, you know, Chicago had to wave a player. So those non-guaranteed guys who have up until teams have up until January 7th to make a decision, they are, you know, they're in a, like a holding pattern right now because, you know, it, it's an, someone else coming in that might take that job away from them. Yeah. A team to watch is the Lakers. So Lakers have a full roster um, and they're, they're cost sensitive. Um, but like DeAndre Jordan is playing very poorly for them. And basically LeBron is LeBron is playing a big, a lot of minutes at center right now. He's, I don't think he's starting at center, but he's, uh, you know, the second half on Christmas, they started, they started him at center in the second half, or they played Carmelo for a few minutes at center, which was laughable, but you know, it could be a situation where the Lakers are like, well, we're going to cut DeAndre Jordan to keep, a player possibly 
if Stanley Johnson works out or something like that. So it's going to be interesting on the back end of these rosters. Another thing I think different, how, how different teams have been affected by this. So if I'm not mistaken, and we're recording this Monday morning and by Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning, this could be not true, but a team like the Utah jazz, they've had no positive tests to this point. And Andy Larson, who covers the team for the Salt Lake Tribune pointed something out. Um, one of the things is that if a player wasn't symptomatic, Bobby, um, he didn't get tested unless he was unvaccinated. Um, so if your team had unvaccinated players and the unvaccinated player tested positive, and then you had to have your, your close contacts, which in most cases is the whole team test, there's a bunch of probably asymptomatic players walking around who haven't been tested. Because one of the things the NBA is finding is the players who are vaccinated and especially vaccinated and boosted are being asymptomatic. So one of the things that that Andy Larson pointed out was the Jazz were 100% vaccinated. None of their players were facing um, daily testing. And so they might have had multiple players who actually were positive, but asymptomatic, but they weren't being tested until December 26th. And so because there was nobody getting caught in the net and triggering wider testing. The jazz stayed healthy and, and were able to get some wins during this stretch. I mean, they would have gotten them anyway. They're a good team. Um, and that is a factor. Like if you, if you're the more, the more vaccinated your team was the less chance that you had for, 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 for the testing to reveal a positive and cause more testing. And that's a real convoluted thing, but, it's a reality with where we are because we know there's almost certainly positives on every team. There's no way that, that some teams have one or no positives and other teams have 11. It's just, it's not, it's not reality. So it, it's a, it's just this really weird thing And the NBA by pushing the testing back till after Christmas, you know, inadvertently gave some teams some advantages in that way. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Well, and I think, you know, the, the league, you know, when they dangled the carrot in front of the players for, from a vaccination standpoint, where they said, Hey, if you get vaccinated, the rules, you know, the restrictions are not going to apply compared to a unvaccinated player. So when you're on the road, you know, you can go out to dinner, you can be in places, you can, you know, you don't have to be stuck in your hotel. And I just thought that, you know, once and rightfully so, you know, because eventually you have to get back to somewhat of normalcy. Once you take those restrictions off and they're not like last year, 
you know, and you're not testing in October and November and, and, and up to, you know, mid December, there was probably a, a ton of, of positives, but the players, there was no sign. So the testing wasn't mandatory here. And now, as you said, all of a sudden we see this being ramped up and we've got 27 players on Sunday. We've got guys missing Christmas day games here because of, you know, once there was a spread that, you know, the, the uptick, uptick in, in testing come, comes about. So let me ask you this. So um, trade season allegedly opened December 15th. <laughs> um, what is this effect on trade discussions? Because this is supposed to be the time where, especially after holidays, but you know, the G league summit or the G league uh, showcase cup is supposed to be like the, the, you know, the, where the trade stuff starts going, where the deals start getting made. But these teams are out there trying to, trying to get nine guys healthy, eight guys healthy. So what's, what's happening? Yeah. I mean, we're basically at a kind of a, a, an unofficial pause of, of the trade season. I mean, we haven't had a trade since October and you're right. The G league showcase is usually when all 30 GMs are out there and that's really things get ramped up. Yeah. Yes. Teams are still talking, but the concern is when you're talking to teams is, you know, what happens if I'm going to make a trade and that player I'm acquiring is in health and safety protocols, right? I can't get them in for a physical. I can't get them in for, to report. I'm basically kind of in a six or seven, seven day holding pattern there. So we've seen a little bit of a pause because of so many cases here. The goal is that hopefully by mid mid January we get back to some type of normalcy and things start. Well, we, to we, we've got to have herd immunity at some point. Yeah, eventually, and I mean, we've got the deadline on. You know, could you imagine, um, you know, a Ben Simmons trade on February tenth, but the the players Philadelphia you can't get in or in health and safety protocols, and you can't get a physical. You know, I mean, like there are. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic and. In, you know, we, yes, we went through it last year, the same thing with, uh, you know, with COVID, but we just have never seen as many cases. And basically, there were, we lived in a, in a little bit of a, a bubble. Um, the league's r- rules, the health and safety protocol rules protected a lot of players. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah, because there was Silver, so much restriction. Right. Adam Silver called it work quarantine, especially when we had the wave that hit last December, January. It was so restrictive. Remember, like they were like, you're allowed to walk outside for 15 minutes. Like that was like how restrictive they were. Yeah. And maybe even they took that away at one point. But it was basically like you're allowed to leave your bedroom to get to your car to go to the facility in the game. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do believe in, in what we talked about on Christmas Day, you know, certainly with Simmons. Right. As far as, you know, Dal Morey trying to get engaged. So you mentioned some teams. I, I, there are conversations going on. It's not like the teams have all of a sudden just put their phone away. But for a, you know, for a deal to officially happen, I think we're going to see a lot more when we get past January fifteenth, closer to that February tenth deadline. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I mean, I'm hearing nothing. Nothing. I, I haven't heard a trade rumor in 10 days. No, because it's, it's, we're basically, you talk to teams, like it's basically just like survival mode. Right. I mean, that's kind of how it is. Just let's just get, hopefully we have eight guys healthy. Um, If we don't, now we've got to go out and sign players. It's really, it's, it's like that day-to-day world we're living in. Right. Like it's just, we're worried about today. Right. I'm not worried about February 10th. Yes, that will change, but it's just a matter of putting a roster out there. And hopefully you don't get a call in the middle of the night that, 
you know, two players are in health and safety protocol. Now we've got to go out and sign two players. Yeah. I was talking to, um, to a coach the other day and he was saying, you know, you wake up in the morning and your eyes, your eyes pop open and you pick up your phone and before you turn, you hit the button to look at what your messages are. You sort of prepare yourself because one, you're waiting for your test. You're going to, in a lot of cases, the tests come back overnight and you're going to find out whether you tested positive. And then you're going to have your texts or your emails from your health and safety officer who will tell you, okay, these guys are good or these guys are out. And it's like, you know, you're already worried about your game plan, worried about your guys sore ankles and knees, you know, and all that stuff. But that, I mean, and that was true. That has been a reality for a long time in the league, but at this particular moment, where some t- where where some teams are going through these waves where every single day they're losing a player or two or three, um, he was just saying like it's just like the most ang- you know the, the the moment you open your eyes you have one of the most anxiety you know highest anxiety moments of your day, and um, you know that's that's just where we are. That's where we are right now, and I I really you know I had a we did a podcast that came out on Christmas Eve, Bobby, where I banned COVID talk. Um, <laughs> And that was just like a one, I, you have to talk about it. It's what's happening yeah. in the league every single moment of the day. I mean, right now, as we're talking, there are players who are testing positive and there are teams dealing with it. And, um, um, and you know, you see some of these guys getting signed and you're like, well, I can't believe they're going to get that guy. They're out of options. The, the, the barrel has been scraped dry right now, I would think. I tell you, you know, I, I like to keep everything in order as far as, you know, my, you know, all my notes, I can't keep up. It's hard to keep up with, you know, I have a tracker and an Excel sheet and who's where, and you basically just kind of wave the white flag a little bit here, right? Like, it's just like, there's so many, you know, some of these teams have seven or eight guys. I mean, Atlanta's, you know, it's the text comes in, they're signing a player here and you're basically just kind of looking at the box score the next morning, or if you're watching a game and seeing like, you know, who are these guys? Yeah, I don't. I mean, some of the guys I know, but so many of them I don't. So, well, I'll um, give you an example. And I, I, I don't want to diminish Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe just signed in Minnesota on a hardship exception. I saw him play in, in the G League uh, games, Brian, and he, he struggled. Like it, yeah. the game has passed him, right? Like where we are this day, but hey, he got a, ten, he got a 10 day. He's able to kind of get back on the court and stuff. But under normal circumstances, he wouldn't be in the league. And it's interesting, certain teams have taken, you know, different teams have taken different tacks. So you look at the Celtics, for example, they go out and sign CJ Miles and Joe Johnson. You know, they wanted like veterans, you know, Joe's 40. Other teams are signing a whole bunch of guys who have never been in the NBA or were in for, for a cup of coffee. Um, you know, they're just trying to get through. It's, it's, um, it's really fascinating. Uh, all right, well, we'll try to take a look at you know, normal league business if we can here. Um, I've been saying for, for about a month or so, Bobby, that I wasn't going to evaluate the Lakers until after Christmas. Well, Christmas has come and gone. And I'm still having difficulty doing that because um, they're, they've got their own health and safety protocols plus injuries. You know, um, uh, we basically haven't seen Trevor Ariza at all. We haven't seen Kendrick, none at all. Um, LeBron, missed most of 
the early part of the season with a couple of injuries. Now Anthony Davis is out um, for a month with a knee injury. Um, LeBron is playing very, very well, um, but their defense is went from terrible to good to terrible. Um, they're yo-yoing, but I, th- I really think one of the things that is sort of staring them in the face is that this roster, uh, even when it's 100% whole, is very clearly flawed. And they have very limited things that they can do because of assets that they still owe from having traded Anthony Davis and because they traded away so much to get Westbrook. Um, so I'm not going to look backwards here. I mean, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the decisions the Lakers made last offseason, but let's look forward. Taylor Horton Tucker can be traded January 15th um, because of the structure of his contract. He wasn't eligible to be traded until then. Um, Bobby, if you were the Lakers um, and you have a 37 year old LeBron, he turns 37 in a couple of days. um, Are you looking at, um, at cashing out all the assets you possibly can to try to win this year? Um, Or are you hoping that what you put together can somehow congeal? by the end of the year. Basically, are you basically are you trading Horton Tucker on January 15th or after January 15th to try to salvage what you got? I'm not. I'm not. I mean, basically what where the Lakers are, I I, I joke around they're like almost like an ATM machine when you go there and it says insufficient funds, right? Like mm-hmm. when because you have you basically have Horton Tucker and you and you have, you know, they've got as you mentioned all these picks that are still owed. Um I think the earliest they can trade of first is in uh, 2027. So LeBron's not going to be on, likely not going to be on the roster by then. Um, when, um, when you go out and you put a roster like this together, you know, when you do the Westbrook trade um, and you basically lose three players in that deal. Um, and the draft pick. Uh, yeah. And I, uh, in a draft pick, um, you got to hit on your tax mid-level. That's, you know, Brooklyn hit on Patty Mills. Patty Mills, of course, went there on a discount. Kendrick, we haven't seen Kendrick Nunn. We're still waiting to see Kendrick Nunn. When you sign, I wonder Nunn, what other options Patty Mills had. Um, I mean, I would think he would certainly would had a you know a mid level money to up you know nine three ten million dollars. Yeah. You know, the teams yeah. were willing to. I mean, he's been he's been tremendous. But but when you sign nine or ten guys to the to the uh, minimum, Brian, the goal is to get, break five hundred, <laughs> right? As far as yeah. four or five players, you're not going to hit on ten. So for me. Yeah, am I looking at what Kendrick Nunn and Horton Tucker and a 2027 first can get me? Yeah, I'm looking at what what the options are going to be, but I'm not looking at you know doing deals just to do a deal because it's going to be a short term fix. I think this Laker team could still get in the top six based on where the Western Conference is. Certainly with the Clippers, with the Paul George injury, um, Denver, you know, a certain they're, they're going to kind of hover around 500. Who knows with Dallas teams like that. Um, so I do think they will be in a, in a, in a, I don't think they're going to be in a playing tournament, you know, team. I think the decision is, is that who do you cut bait when it comes? And I know there's a cost to it when it comes to some of these minimum guys that are not playing. Uh, you mentioned Deandre Jordan, whether it be maybe Rondo guys like that who really have no impact as far as on the roster. Is there a trade out there where you have to attach cash? We'll see where they are with your second round picks to get rid of that from a saving standpoint. And then, as you mentioned, signing a player that can help like Stanley Johnson. I think those are the type of deals that you're looking for to do. 
Um, I, it'll be interesting if, if, you know, the Lakers, they've got 15 players. They've always been in, in the uh, under contract. They've always been part of the buyout game, right? Always been in that game. To get in the buyout game this year, you're going to have to trade or release one of these players. That contract is going to be guaranteed. So there is a there is a cost associated with that. Yeah. So they've lost five in a row. They're they're playing the worst in the in the league right now. Um, and they're two games under 500. And they've played one of the easiest schedules so far. But you know, more to the point, they've played six more home games than road games. So you know the the rest of their schedule is going to be more road heavy. Um, but they're only in seventh place. Uh, you know, they're essentially tied with Dallas and Minnesota coming tonight at us at eight and nine. And they're only, you know, a game and a half out of fifth. So as, as poorly as they've played and as bad of luck as they've had, because the West is not deep, the, the, they're not like sitting there in 12th trying to claw back. So like, here's an example of, a, of an option, Bobby. So the Lakers have been rumored to have interest in Jeremy Grant. Yep. And I think that the Pistons who are, um, you know, in the middle of a rebuild and, you know, not going anywhere this season, um, uh, they're dead last in the Eastern conference. Uh, actually they got the worst record in the league. Um, I think they might listen on Jeremy Grant. Um, so if you could get a player like Jeremy Grant, now that would take probably Horton Tucker and maybe that 27 first, um, and maybe Kendrick Nunn to make the money work. Is that the type of trade, Bobby, that you, that you would consider if you were the Lakers, because that's a guy who could help you. More? Yeah. I mean, that's more of a, that's a win now impact roster trade, you know, as far as getting, you know, Jeremy has not played as well as he did a year he's ago injured right now and he's yeah. injured. So you're not getting him until probably, probably mid February there, but that's the type of deal that you consider when you're, when you're sacrificing probably that 27 pick. And if you're Detroit 2027 picks valuable because who knows where this Laker roster is going to be. No kidding. So she can get light protection on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, yeah. and it rolls into 2028. So for them, you know, that's almost better than getting two number ones that could be in the twenties. You know, right. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's a long, you know, term approach there. So yeah, that's the type of deal that you would be looking at if you were the, uh, the Lakers, which is, you know, funny that you, know, you, you you'd send those guys out and your, your luxury tax bill, it keeps on going up because we're, you know, where yeah. Grant's number is, you know, those two are right around 15 and where Grant's number is, he's at like, you know, 20. So, you know, see how the money works, but that's the type of deal that a swing for the fence win now type trade. And he's got another year left on his contract that you would be looking for that. That pick would fit into that. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the Lakers, especially after the last two years where they just got hammered with lost gate revenue. Um, they had to be a little bit more selective in their spending. They're still a top five uh, spending team. It's not like they're, you know, in the middle of the pack, they're still spending like a big market team, but they may have some decisions to make about, um, about what to do. And I would just say that like, you know, historically, I mean, this has happened with LeBron, LeBron teams in the past. It's never happened where LeBron's teams have been, you know, well, I mean, I guess his first year in LA, that was sort of a, a train wreck season, but, you know, typically with LeBron, like he's not, you know, he's not interested in, in, um, in draft picks down the line. He's never been on a team that's been, you know, enjoyed draft pick help. Um, he's always been like, you know, go get me, you know, my peers. So, um, that's going to be a, 
a uh, not only just like do you, from a talent situation, we know do you do you move Horton Tucker, who's one of the few young guys on the roster. It's also about spending, about you know what ownership is willing to uh, uh, to spend. So over the weekend, Woj mentioned uh, again. This has sort of been floated around for months now, but he he mentioned the Cavs uh, again as a Ben Simmons uh, suitor, and um, the Cavs uh, were the beneficiary of the Raptors uh, being decimated, and they won. Um, they're uh, in a virtual tie for fourth uh, right now in the East. They have, uh, at least as of yesterday, they have the easiest schedule left in the NBA, uh, right alongside Miami. Uh, they're going back and forth with the easiest left, and Miami uh, is in is tied with them for fourth essentially. Um, but Miami has, you know, injury issues. Bam Adebayo is out, and, and they've had some other issues to deal with. Um, but he mentioned Cleveland, Bobby, for Ben Simmons. And obviously, you know, that's not the first time that's been mentioned and that's been discussed before. But now the Cavs are sitting there at, at uh, 20 and 13 with a favorable schedule, playing very good basketball. Uh, even they've had um, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, arguably their two best players or two of their three best players out in health and safety. And they were still able to, to, to they've still been able to keep their head above water. If you're the Cavs and you over the weekend, they extended um, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, their head coach. Uh, five years on his contract. By the way, Bobby, you know the last time the Cavs extended a head coach? Oh, man. Mike Fratello. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's a couple of great stats with the Cavs. One, the last time they extended a head coach was 2008 with Mike Brown. Last time they made the playoffs without LeBron on the roster. Late I'm not 90s. expecting you to know. No. You're right. Late You're 90s. Right. Yeah, 98. Yeah, is that Z's? Sean, Sean yeah. Kemp was still hanging on. Last time they won a playoff series without LeBron on the roster. Oh, it's probably more Christ days, right? I was a freshman in high school, 1993. <laughs> 1993. So that just to just to frame the fact that the Cavs, you know, just even making the playoffs would be great. If they had if they had home court in the first round, actually had a chance to win a series without LeBron, it would be the first time that it happened since 1993. Just to frame that. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't don't risk it click it or ticket paid for by nitsa now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good the playmaking splash shifted the tempo Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If you're them, what do you, you know, do you seriously, because, you know, Jared Allen is 22, 23. Mm -hmm. Evan Mobley is 20. Darius Garland is 21. 
got a really nice young core. Larry Markkinen, who's doing okay for them. He's got it some nights and other nights he doesn't. He's doing okay for them. Um, uh, he's like 23. Uh, they own all their picks. Yeah. Um, they've got a couple extra picks, in fact. Um, they um, are, you know, sort of enjoying a honeymoon. Like, they make the playoffs this year, even if they get swept. It's a, it's a great year. They have Colin Sexton, who's out, and which they'll, they, they'll have a chance to re-sign and get back to add to this roster for next year. Um, but obviously the chance to go for a, a talent like Simmons, they're not going to be able to sign a guy like that. They're probably now not going to be able to draft a guy like that because they're not going to be in the lottery. So, Bobby, what would you do if you were them? It's, it's funny. It's like, you know. And what would you offer for Simmons? Yeah, it's almost like, do you want to be greedy? And keep on well, Dan playing. Gilbert doesn't, you know, Dan Gilbert doesn't like five-year plans. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to be, yeah, you want to be greedy and kind of keep on playing, playing the, the deck that you've been, you know, you know, dealt with, which is the current roster and be satisfied getting in as a four or five seed, or do you want to kind of just push it in, man? You know, as far as you, as you said, you, you have all your draft picks. So you're probably looking at unprotected ones going out. Um, yeah. And then you are looking at probably a player like Sexton. I think, and I think if, if Cleveland does get involved, as far as we get to the you know goal line here, I think it probably involves multiple teams here. That players, certain players, will be going different ways. But you know, it's 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 Sexton, and it's probably another blue chip player, right? Is it a guy like Okoro? Um, is it a guy? You know, you certainly have the you know to make the money work. I mean, you're looking at marketing or Rubio, I would think guys like that. I don't see, you know, Kevin loves played well, but I don't see him, you know, I, it's hard for me to, you know, him going to, you know, Philly in a, in a deal here. So I think if I'm, if I'm offering, you know, I'm probably offering, I don't even think it gets done. You know, it's, it's a combination of sex and a coral Rubio and, and two number ones. And I don't know if that gets done. What yeah. about Darius Garland? Man, he is. Who's who's uh, a border? I don't know if he's going to make the All Star team this he's, year. He's been tremendous, but um, I, he's been tremendous, and he is a yeah, he's a borderline All Star. Um, that's that's hard. That's hard for you, especially for a guy who hasn't played in a year. You know, as yeah. far as with Simmons, right? I mean, it's just it, it's working really well, and like I said, Garland is on is twenty one under team control. And getting a great relationship and a great chemistry with with uh, Evan Mobley, and you know, but again, at the same time, if you're if you're in a city like Cleveland, and you can get an all star player, Ben Simmons, under contract for three more years after this one, um, you just don't get the opportunity to do that. And I mean, I don't know if that even if Garland is in there, I don't know if that satisfies what Philly is looking for. Although I I got to believe Philly has got to at some point come to terms with the fact that they're not going to get traded. Michael Jordan is prime for Ben. Um, uh, I just think it's, you know, Woj said it for a reason. Um, and it, it launched a thousand ships in Cleveland, as you can imagine, especially since they're playing so well right now. Um, and, you know, I have a piece coming out on the Cavs. I think it's scheduled for Tuesday. Maybe it'll run Wednesday. I don't know, but I talked to, 
JB Bickerstaff and, and Kobe Altman, their GM about where their team is right now. And like, you know, they're, they're in a very good place as yeah. you could imagine, you know, they're overachieving. They're having a honeymoon kind of season here. Um, they're happy, you know, they're now they're all settled, you know, um, uh, JB is five years under contract, you know I mean? Like everybody's sort of in a good place. Do you, do you risk it? But at the same time, like, do you, will you be, will, are you happy with, with sixth, as you said, or fifth? Yeah. Um, that's the hardest thing, Brian, going from, and we saw, you know, certainly with, you know, New York a year ago, like, you know, the expectation level for this Cleveland team will be through the roof next year. It's hard going from four and that four to six range to a top yeah. three team. Right. And do you have enough right now to get you there? Or are you just going to be kind of hovering around like basically kind of like how Indiana had been doing for, you know, for a while. And um, that, that is, um, you know, that is a hard thing. And I, and I think you have to be careful too, is that your window is always not going to be open, right? Like you could say, well, we've got, you know, we've got uh, Garland, we've got Jared Allen and Mobley and, you know, we've got a five-year window, man. Talk to Denver about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to Denver yeah. about guys and, you know, certainly there it's injuries with Murray and Porter, but your window is not always going to be open. And, you know, you could teams can, as I say, you can always straddle the fence, right? You can just kind of take the conservative approach and conservative probably gets you 45 to 46 wins, but it's the ones that kind of take the risk in doing a deal of this magnitude that there's it's one way or another, right? It's either going to work or it's not going to work. And right. not everyone wants to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, the Dan Gilbert that I know, uh, and I haven't spoken to him in a long time because unfortunately he had a stroke and he's, you know, withdrawn a little bit, uh, but he's doing better. Um, that's a good thing. He's come to a couple of games this year. Uh, the Dan Gilbert that I know would go for Ben Simmons. Uh, but also I think there is a pride that exists. Like we're going to build a winner that doesn't need that either. We're going to build a winner of, of, you know, guys that we picked and grew and everything like that. So, um, you know, there's other decisions for the Cavs as well. Like, you know, Ricky Rubio is on the last year of his contract, you know, he's in his thirties. Um, he's played well, but he's not, you know, he's, you know, I think he makes 16 million, um, not sure he's still a $16 million player, but, um, you know, it's a valuable player and the Cavs, you know, cap space doesn't mean anything to them. They're not going to be a free agent destination. And Dan Gilbert doesn't care about money. I mean, he's the second richest owner in terms of net worth after Steve Ballmer now, believe it or not. Um, uh, he's worth like 50 or $60 billion. Like, I don't think he cares about paying. So, you know, do you try to extend him, Bobby? I mean, like, you know, these are questions that they have to answer that I don't think they foresaw, you know, two months ago. Well, I think you do. I, I, as you mentioned, I don't think it's at, you know, 16 to 17 million. And now do you have to overpay to keep Rubio in Cleveland? That's the big thing. Maybe. I mean, it's, yeah. Maybe. It's, and it's, but at the other end, he's probably looking at um, the mid-level exception if he's a free agent, which is right around $10 million just because of the teams that, or, or lot, you know, it's not, if he wants to go to a rebuild in Orlando and Detroit and San Antonio, um, or, you know, he could, um, but, you know, and try to cash in again, but I think he's a mid-level type guy. And I think to keep him there, you do probably have to overpay. By the way, Kevin Love is having his most efficient season since he was a Timberwolf this year. And he's only playing 20 minutes a game. 
uh, he did start uh, on Saturday because, uh, or on Sunday, he's made a couple of starts because of health and safety guys. And he had 22 points in the win over the Raptors. But um, part of it is because Rubio, you know, uh, when the Cavs traded for him, they knew they were going to make Kevin Love a bench player for the first time in his career. And so they got a guy who he played with for three years in Minnesota when he had his best statistical seasons. And it's helped him. You know, Rubio and Love have a good relationship from when they were both young kids in the league together. So um, all of these things are at play. But, like, um, I don't think you could trade Kevin Love for real value at, you know, he's got, you know, $30 million a year. Yeah. But it's not a, it's not a black hole. You know? No. And I think one thing interesting that happened this year, um, and, you know, Love has gotten such a bad reputation, and he's earned it for the last couple of years for the way he's pouted and everything and some of the, his on-court antics. But, you know, when they drafted a big man and then they signed another one with Markkanen, they told Love, hey, you're going to go to the bench. And Love said, okay, but I want to make a deal. The deal is if I earn minutes, you play me those minutes. In other words, don't John Wall me. Don't say we're going young and you go sit down on the end of the bench and you don't play. You just get your checks and don't play. And the Cavs agreed to that. And Love did his part, showed up in shape, and has played well and hasn't complained. And he's played a lot better. And so now, you know, I'm not saying the teams are calling them saying, trade us Kevin Love. But if, if, if Kevin Love is entered into a trade, number one, he is playing much more effective basketball. If he played like this, he wouldn't have got sent home from Team USA. Okay. Two, he becomes a trade asset in a year because yeah. then he's on an expiring contract. Bobby. Yeah. So um I wouldn't say it's impossible. I don't think he ends up on the Sixers, to be clear. But I don't think it's a, I I I three months ago I would have told you it's impossible to trade Kevin Love unless the Cavs are attaching assets. That may not be true anymore. But it's part oh, of a larger yeah. deal. It's part of a larger deal. Oh, I totally agree. I, I don't think he's that dead weight contract that maybe it was, you know, I don't think he's where Blake was in Detroit, where you right. basically couldn't move it. I mean, it's, right. it's a non-max contract and it's a, it's a guy who's giving you quality six man minutes. And so if you need to put it, it's not like a team's going to turn it. It's not going to be a deal breaker, let's say, um, taking back that money. Right. Which all of which makes what they could potentially put together for Simmons more interesting. Yeah. I will say that you need one of those big numbers, <laughs> right? Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, All right, Bobby, thank you so much for your time. I hope you uh, stay well. I hope everybody out there stays well. Hang in there. Hope the league stays well. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We'll talk to you later this week. Thanks, Brian. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.